Well, good morning, everyone. It is great to see you and so, so good to be with you uh, today. Yesterday, I had the opportunity. I was preaching over in the sanctuary and now really thrilled to be here with all of you and so glad to be here with my friends, our students at Concordia Ann Arbor. Uh, I serve as the campus executive vice president of administration at Concordia University Ann Arbor. And for the past 10 years, I've had the wonderful, unique privilege of getting a front row seat at God's redeeming work down there. And I got to say, in partnership with all of you, I'm so, so grateful for who you are, for what you do, for the ways in which you have supported Concordia in so many ways. Uh, In fact, each of the past 10 years, I've had the opportunity to be here or before here was here, over in the gym, uh, leading chapel every December, a uh, Christmas chapel for all of the school students. So uh, some of you little ones, if I look maybe a little familiar, you look familiar to me too. And uh, really, really good to be with you though on this weekend. As we get going, I want you to think for a moment about your own travel habits. Okay, I know summer vacation is a long ways away. Spring breaks a little sooner, but think about your own travel habits. If you're going somewhere, maybe to visit your kids or your grandkids, or if you're taking a family trip, are you the type of person that will bring everything and the kitchen sink? Okay, are you that that one? Okay. Or on the other hand, are you a minimalist? Tell the person next to you. Actually, maybe the person next to you should tell you what you are. Okay, go. Tell the person next to you, do you bring a lot of stuff or do you make it really, really simple and you're a minimalist? All right, I want to know how many of you either self-identified or you said, you know, the person next to you, they bring it all. They pack a ton. Oh my goodness. Yes. Oh, oh yes. You know, um, don't make eye contact with the person next to you. All right. Uh, pastoral counseling is available later for all that. But, um, you know, how many of you though are minimalists? You're like, I only bring a backpack. I, I never check a bag at the airport. I do the simplest thing. Okay. I would fall into the ladder category. Okay. Interestingly enough, my wife would form and fall into the former category. So uh, this past summer, my wife and I, we were traveling, just the two of us, and uh, left the kids back in Ann Arbor, taken care of. Don't worry, we didn't just leave them back in Ann Arbor. We have four children. Um, but we were venturing off for just two nights. Two nights is a simple bag. That's it. No need to check luggage, nothing. And so we went just with our uh, two bags to Detroit Metro, flew to where we were going, had a great time. And on the way back, though, on the way back, we didn't check our bags on the way there, but we received a gift that made me face a moral dilemma. Am I going to check the bag and sell my soul, okay? Or do we throw away the gift, right? Like, what do you do? You're at the airport. Have you ever had that decision? You're at the airport. You're like, do I throw away the gift or do I just check my bag? Knowing me for the last two minutes, what do you think I did? 
I threw it away. No, I didn't do that, okay? I did not throw, throw away the gift. I would not throw away the gift. I, I couldn't look at myself in the mirror if I threw away the gift. But actually, we checked the bag. And so we checked the bag, fine, no big deal. We get back to Detroit. It's late on a Thursday night, and, and we go to the baggage carousel. And there we are, waiting. Waiting and waiting. And I, too, wanted to scream, just like I heard, yeah. You know, my, my wife's over there talking to the kids. And, yeah, we're going to be there, we're going to be there. And, and I'm like, are we ever going to get there? I can't find our, find our bag. And, you know, there's people on my flight who are grabbing their bags, and they're going, and there's fewer and fewer bags left on the carousel. And I'm like, really? This is why we don't check a bag. That's exactly why. And my wife says, honey, isn't that our bag? Isn't that our bag? And she points over to the carousel, and there's not many bags left. And she says, isn't that our bag? I'm like, no, no, no. But I go over there and look, because I should. And, and there was our bag right there. Right there, the bag was there literally the whole time. And I saw it dozens and probably dozens of times over and over and over again. There was my wife's bag. What was ours, what belonged to us, was right there the whole time. And yet, we just, I just never saw it. I missed it. And I wonder for us this morning, as we sit here now, the end of February, the beginning of the season of Lent, I wonder for how many of us who are in this auditorium right now, for how many of us are we missing the very thing that might be right in front of us? In our pursuit of life, in our own life journeys, our own walking in faith, as we walk this journey of life and faith, do we sometimes, in our desire for more, maybe for a position, for power, for possessions, for prestige, whatever it might be, do we ever find ourselves looking around and sometimes wondering, but missing the very thing that is right smack dab in front of us. I think for many of us, that's probably the case, which is why I love the song we just sang, the reminder that our identity is not in all the things around us or what others might say, but rather solely and fully in the one who says we belong to him. And that's what the Apostle Paul in our epistle reading for today wants to show us. From Colossians chapter one, the apostle Paul wants to remind us that we are to be men and women, families, children, communities, walking in faith. Walking in faith, that's actually our school theme. Right down the road, an hour down the road at Concordia University, Ann Arbor, and for this entire academic year, we have been focused on these verses from Colossians so that we don't miss the very thing that is right in front of us, the one who is with us every single day. So what we're going to do here is we're just going to walk through quickly a couple of verses from Colossians chapter 1. And as we do that, we're going to see a few things from the Apostle Paul. We're going to see Paul's priority of prayer. We're going to see the purpose 
of the wisdom that God gives to us. And then finally, we're gonna get a great word of encouragement that it's the God who created us is also the one who empowers us today. So here we go, Colossians chapter one, we're gonna start at verse nine. Paul writes, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. I, I love Paul's priority here is prayer, but specifically in these verses, a prayer for wisdom. Paul is praying for wisdom for his hearers. In the same way that today, today, I would ask, do we make prayer an integral part of our ministry in our daily lives? Are our days defined by prayer? Or are they defined by a schedule? Are our days defined by prayer? Or are they defined by other priorities? For the Apostle Paul, he makes a note here and elsewhere in the New Testament epistles that prayer is a priority for him. It's so critical. And specifically, asking that you may be filled He's praying for this filling with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. You see, biblical knowledge is not simply Bible trivia knowledge. Okay, we don't, we don't just acquire knowledge for the sake of knowledge's sake. For the Apostle Paul, he's connecting this to the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the knowledge of God is the equivalent of faith. So to increase in knowledge is not simply to get everything right on the Bible test, to have all the doctrine just perfectly lined up and be able to quiz others on it. It's not simply about a GPA, though I serve in a higher ed institution where all of that really does matter. But what matters even more is this type of knowledge centered in the forgiveness of sins in Christ Jesus. That's what matters. Because friends, we are, we are broken people in this auditorium this morning. We, we are hanging out in this worship and event center as people who have stuff in our closets back home and maybe even deep in our hearts today. And the God who created you is the same God who already knows all of that. And it's the same God who in loving mercy gives us these words today to show us again that which is right in front of us. And what is right in front of you today is the full grace of God in display in the person and in the work of Jesus Christ. If you need more in life, give me more of Jesus. That's what we need more of. And Paul is reminding us of this, that the purpose of this wisdom then is that we would live as people walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, being rooted in someone, not something. Being rooted in the one who gave everything for us, not simply in our desire to have just a little bit more. Paul places us right there. And so then in verse 10, we see that we, he is praying this so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. The purpose of this wisdom, which is that prayer that he is praying, is that we would be people walking in faith. Every day, walking in faith. Sundays included, but Mondays too. You know, 24 hours from now, I don't know what your day looks like. 
Some of you are going to be hanging out in school right here. Some of you are going to be right down the road in high school. Some of you are going to be at a job locally in the community, maybe somewhere else. Some of you are going to be out running some errands. Some of you are going to be working out. Some of you are going to be doing a lot of different things, whatever it might be, whatever it might be. We hear this call that we would always do it in the name of Jesus, but specifically today, walking in faith means living life the way God intended life to be lived. Which means that when we apply this to our lives, frankly, that's enough to chew on for a lifetime. Am I living my life in the way that God designed for life to be lived? Am I sitting and setting my life under the umbrella of God's mercy and grace so that I might be able to extend it in mercy to other people? Am I using my time? Am I using my finances, the resources that God alone has given to me? Am I raising my family? Am I connecting with my spouse or my loved ones in a manner that is consistent with what God's word teaches us? Well, the only way to make that happen is to be people who keep hearing the gospel, who keep hearing the gospel because we're gonna gonna face We're going to face Satan in Matthew chapter 4. In Matthew chapter 4, our gospel reading for today, Jesus is going toe-to-toe with Satan, and Satan is saying, I'll give you some power. I'll give you some prestige. I'll give you some more possessions. I'll give you all those things. And how does Jesus respond? Simply by speaking the word of God, by sharing the word of God back, by, by knowing the word of God. And we too can be people who speak the word of God back, who know the gospel, who hear the gospel, who trust the gospel, and who live under the gospel. This is why Jesus in John chapter eight said, remain in my word. Then you will know the truth. And what's the truth gonna do? It will set you free. The truth will set you free free. So we remain in his word. We, we then rely on his grace, as he says in Ephesians 2, and then finally respond to his call. This is where he is leading us, through prayer, an intentional purpose. And then finally, this encouragement that we get in verse 11. I, I love this verse. May you be strengthened. You just hear Paul, Paul writing this. May you all be strengthened today. With all power, dynamos, dynamites, where we get that word. With all power, according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy. Isn't this life journey a life of endurance that requires patience? But notice how Paul puts in their joy to go with it. You know, we don't need to go around happy, clappy people, but we also, on the other hand, don't need to go around with heads down all the time because our eternal destination is different. It is secured in our baptism, given to us by Jesus and the gift of faith that we have. And as a result, we can endure the challenges we face with eyes fixed on Jesus, patiently awaiting his return but doing so in a spirit of joy that gives confidence and hope to the people around us. This is what it looks like to walk in faith. Corey ten Boom said it so well. 
when she said, there is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. There is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. Every single one of us, as we reflect on our days, our weeks, our months, maybe even our lives, we can probably pretty quickly come to the realization that we have fallen short of God's glory. And maybe in ways that we're too embarrassed to say or, or in paths that we feel have gone way off track. And yet, even in the midst of the pit, there is no pit so deep that the love of God and the mighty hand of God cannot reach down to save. He is the one who alone can save. And as the gospel show us and as Paul reminds us, even though sin disqualifies you, he says that it is in him that we have redemption, that we have been bought back the forgiveness of our sins. We belong to Jesus. And that's true for us today. But friends, it's true right down the road at Concordia University, Ann Arbor, certainly not only in the lives of the students that you have already heard and have been leading us in worship today, but it's true in hundreds and hundreds and thousands and thousands of alumni. And that's been true for 60 years at CUAA. In fact, this is our 60th academic year at Concordia University, Ann Arbor. And for these past 60 years, what began as a school focused on preachers and teachers, Concordia Lutheran Junior College, is now a school that remains steadfast and faithful to our Lutheran identity and our Lutheran mission of developing students in mind, body, and spirit for service to Christ in the church and in the world, to prepare future worship leaders, to prepare future teachers for your school, and some of our alum are here, to prepare those who will serve in communications, in business, nurses in your hospitals, PAs in your health clinics, and pastors for your pulpits. All of it is being done at CUAA. And here's what I love. While many schools that started out with a Christ-centered mission have abandoned that mission, I don't love that. But here's what I love about CUAA. We have not and we will not do that. We are Christ-centered. We are mission-driven. We are student-focused. And God continues to do a mighty work. This year, we are celebrating a record year of enrollment. And what it makes that especially significant is that we're doing it in the midst of a culture and in the midst of an environment that's really, really challenging for higher ed. Most private schools in Michigan are in significant enrollment decline. And yet by God's grace, we've been bucking that trend and we're celebrating record enrollment, but far more important than ribbons that we cut or anything else is what, you, what you're experiencing today. And, and when students who come to Concordia who don't know Jesus yet get introduced to the one who is right in front of them on our campus, and who come to the waters of holy baptism, whose lives are transformed for all of eternity, whose lives then go out into the world to serve in various fields and in many callings where the next generation 
can tell the praiseworthy deeds of our God. We do it all under the difference maker, Jesus, who lived, who died, who was raised from the dead. And on our campus at Concordia University, Ann Arbor, here's what you're gonna see if you walk right onto campus. Right in front of our chapel, you will see this cross. That was a Christmas tree about a week ago. But we shaved down to be a cross on Ash Wednesday to remind us that the one who came as the light of the world, Jesus, is also the one who walked the path of suffering. And as we remember during our Lenten journey, the path of suffering for the salvation of the world. So friends, let's be people who walk in faith. Let's be people empowered by the Holy Spirit because we live as gospel-centered people to walk in faith, prioritizing prayer, seeking the wisdom that comes only from our Heavenly Father, empowered by the Holy Spirit to make a difference now and for all of eternity. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that indeed, because you, you say it is true, we are redeemed, we are loved, we are chosen, we are called, we are forgiven, and you are the one who gives us the wisdom to guide our walking in faith, empowered by you for every calling that you have given to us. Dear Jesus, I pray that you would continue to walk with us, that you would continue to be Emmanuel, God with us, that you would lead us every step of the way, that we would not be so distracted by the, the many things around us, but instead we would see you as you have stepped in front of us and you guide us every step of the way. We pray this in the mighty and in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.